oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two What it do? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast as we continue our 30-team preview series with the Detroit Tigers. Love Detroit. Been there one time. Saw the uh, very last season of the old uh, Tigers Stadium before the new one was put, so now I have to make a trip to go see the uh, the new Comerica Park at some point. This was obviously a long time ago. But uh, Mr. Michael Govier is here to help us break down the Detroit Tigers, uh, along with uh, Mr. MLB Moving Averages. But, Mr. Govia, you are a Tigers fan. As he's actually altering his camera to show a giant Tigers banner <laughs> in the background. Uh, what Look is up? That. What is up, Mike? Yeah, there it is, man. Go Tigers. Yeah, it's a dark time here in Detroit uh, for many, many reasons beyond just baseball. But baseball certainly is one of them. But uh, I think Detroit has one of the best baseball ballparks in the country. So at least we can hang our hat on Comerica being a lovely place to see a game. But what you see inside the confines of that stadium could be suspect. Hey, there's always the uh, visiting team. Um, <laughs> John, <laughs> MLB Moving Averages is here as well. What's up, John? Hi, what's going on? After tons of analysis, I have determined... There is indeed a baseball team in Detroit. Apparently, they are the Tigers. <laughs> they may or not may or may not be a real team, but yeah. I will confirm. Throughout this episode, I will continue my investigative research. I feel like if there was a team in Detroit, I would have heard of them before, but it's possible. <laughs> they were talking about contracting minor league teams. We thought Detroit would be going the way of the Binghamton Rubble Ponies. <laughs> uh, but um, – the Tigers, they actually have a lot of fantasy value. There's not a lot of standouts as far as people that you were banking on early in the draft, but they actually have quite a few players that uh, could be very big difference makers, even in 12-team leagues. So we're going to get into them. One thing I want to I say up front is that Comerica, people have the wrong idea about this park as far as fantasy. A lot of people assume... Oh, Comerica is terrible for fantasy. Um, it's a it's a huge pitcher's park. It's you don't want a hitter who's there. That is very incorrect. As a giant cavernous center field, but it, the gaps are actually fine for power. We'll get to like CJ Crone. I wouldn't worry about that at all. It depends on hitter. People take ballpark ball ballpark. I'm from Boston. <laughs> um, people take the ballpark factors a little too seriously. You have to look at what kind of hitter it is where the dimensions are. So Comerica, don't write off hitters just because they're in Comerica. It highly depends on the kind of hitter they are. Baseball America actually has them as Comerica is like the fourth best, I think, park for a right-handed hitter. Um, that yeah. I mean, that should tell you something. Fangrass to seeing that right now on Swish. My, yeah. So, uh, Preach yeah. on, Matt. Preach on. So Comerica, it's not a death sentence. It's not. Speaking of death sentences, let's get into the uh, Detroit lineup. Oh, as always, we're using roster resource over on fangraphs.com. Uh, they do a good job over there, but we'll probably disagree with a few of the things that they have decided. But overall, again, they're good at what they do. So we're going to go with, uh, at least for the batting order. Leading off, Cameron Mabin, third time's a charm. Coming back, coming back to Detroit for the third time. 
Uh, the first time he actually came over with uh, Miguel Cabrera in the trade that uh, that came uh, right. No, no, no. Hold on. No. No, he sent. He was sent. He was no. He was in Detroit. He was sent to sent to Miami for for that. Dontrell Willis came back, and they yes. also sent Andrew Miller out to. Yeah, the that was that was a heck of a trade right there. Um, so Cameron Mabin, thirty three years old. Uh, I'm actually kind of interested here. We were talking a little bit before the show uh, last year. Uh, he did. Uh, he actually did okay for the Yankees in 2018. Uh, he had a 127 weighted runs created plus. He's a nice power speed guy over um, over about a half a season there. He finds himself off injured, um, so you know we you know he's someone maybe you can't depend on for an entire season. But again, for someone who's going completely free, he's leading off in front of a few guys we'll get to later. Nico uh, Cabrera, Crone, Shoop, guys that can elevate the ball, can drive in runs. So even at 33 years old in a shortened season, uh, batting leadoff every day for a major league team is a pretty big deal. So, you know, if he can get in there every day, um, he's not going to kill you in batting average. It's not going to be something to float you, but he'll, he'll, he'll hit in the, like the 250, 260 range. And uh, over a full season, he's probably still very capable of getting you 15 to 20 stolen bases again over a full season. So uh, for cheap speed, you know, he, he won't kill you in batting average. He'll give you a decent amount of runs, even leading off for the Tigers. And he'll give you a little bit of power and speed. How much can you ask for a guy who's is going for that free and draft when speed is such a premium in uh, in certain leagues? So um, you know, I mean, Oscar Mercado is a guy we really talked up. If the Indians end up batting him at the bottom of the lineup, what is the huge difference between him and Mabin if they're both healthy over a full season? Uh, I mean, you still want Mercado, but you know, Mabin is leading off. If Mercado is not. Not a giant difference. That's what I'm saying. If you're searching for stolen bases, there's something here. Don't flush the name Cameron Mabin down the toilet. There's something here. Yeah, Cameron Mabin is probably undervalued, even though he bums me out as a Tigers local here. I love. <laughs> why, did, seeing... why, why does he bum you out, by the way? It's just he's 33 years old, and we're in a total rebuild. We're in a disaster zone in terms of where we're at. We have no hope. We're not trying to win anything. I like to see guys get opportunities. I'm not the kind of guy who likes to go to a game to see like, oh, hey, that guy will maybe get us a win today because wins don't matter. What matters are at-bats, experience, and opportunity. So he doesn't represent that, and that's just a philosophical disagreement. Okay. John, I think Mabin actually has a ton of fantasy value. I can't even believe I'm saying that. But, you know, you're going to hear me beating the drum for price, man. That's my thing, nefarious cheapskate and alligator all. I got deep pockets and short arms when it comes to fantasy uh that you know brought it up steals are are paramount you know they're very important they're the hardest to replace mid-season in my opinion and it's kind of hard to fathom as bad as the tigers are going to be it sounds pretty objective that you can get a leadoff hitter at 650 adp so my analysis kind of ends there in that if you found yourself short on steals he's going to get opportunities at least you know, uh, at the start of the season, I'm not sure how much I'm buying much of last year. The Yankees, my Yankees, I should say, for all the injuries they went through, there was something in the water there because everybody they seemed to plug in just vastly outperformed expectations. I don't know exactly what it was. I was watching Maven every single day when he would play for my Yankees and expected him to be terrible, and he was actually very good. He was really, really, he was really, really good. He was hitting the ball hard. I don't expect much of that to repeat. I'm with Matt. It's an opportunity play for me at the price. You're going to get PAs, and I think you're going to get steals. Batting second for the team is Nico Goodroom, who 
low key may be the most valuable fantasy player on this entire team. He could. Uh, he's not going to get you a nice batting average. He's actually going to be more in the 240 to 250 range. But he does get on base. Um, he has a nice like 9, 10% walk rate, which is good, which continues to allow him to get on base to, despite his low batting average. So that's good. But he has multi-position eligibility. You can kind of put him everywhere, which is fantastic for fantasy leagues. And he has a legitimate 15-15, maybe 20-20 if, you know, he, he's drinking his Gatorade and his milk and spinach, eating his spinach. He can get to 2020, but I mean, he's a, he's a 15, 15 guy with position, uh, multi-position eligibility batting second. So the run scored will also be there. So Nico Goodrum, uh, let's, let's talk about him starting with you, Mike, what do you make of your, uh, your Swiss army knife? Nico Goodrum actually has legitimate fantasy value and, I'm glad he's on the team. He's 28 years old, so he could be a part of any type of growth that the Tigers have here over the next three years. So it doesn't bum me out at all. I would definitely take him. I think he's a nice value play because he's so useful. I love guys that give you multiple positions. He certainly can give you that. And he's somebody who has a decent walk rate. You know, last year he had a 10% walk rate. I like to see that. He's a guy who doesn't never going to hit for average, just like you said. But I think yeah, he could probably hit 15 home runs and steal 20 bases. I think 20 bases, if he's able to play 155 games, are doable. Because he's played 131 and 112 games the last two years. He hasn't been available. He hasn't been used or had the opportunity to play a full season. So at 28 years old and with a full season, I think 20 steals is doable. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you, uh, both of you, Matt, as a value. And then, Mike, you know, there's some potential there. Um, I, I particularly love when guys spike their line drive rates. You know, so Goodrum had an excellent – his line drive rate was near 28 last year, which is pretty much phenomenal. Uh, the Ks are a little too high, so, again, I want to keep my expectations kind of tempered down. But, again, the price is there, and the opportunity is going to be there. I don't think he's going to be supplanted in the lineup at all. He should get full run. And I think you're in line for, you know, 20 maybe high, but I think you got 12 to 15 steals for sure. And I wanted to just look at the eligibility. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember I had I had starred him for eligibility. Goodrum, whose ADP is 278, is second short and outfield eligible. So you really can't sell that stuff short. And I'm not even going just to draft champions. I think he he's a value in 15-team leagues for sure. You know, you can't just pass by him. Even if, I mean, if you're fortunate enough where he's on your bench, you've done a very good job constructing your lineup. And to that note, I like a guy like him on my bench because it allows me to have more pitchers in order to stream. You know, so I think Goodrum, there's a lot to like there because of the price. If he was going on another 150 picks earlier, I wouldn't be interested in him. But again, we're talking about premium lineup places. And it's kind of funny. People, all oh, the Tigers stink. And like, that's it. No, they score runs like everybody else. You know, the Tigers are going to score four runs a game. I think the average is like three, seven, nine. They're going to score four runs a game. And at batting second, he's going to be a part of that. You know, yeah, they have a half of they have a half of good lineup. The bottom of the lineup isn't good, but the top half of the lineup is going to generate. Yeah, they really got him some protection, and we're going to get to. Do I smell a segue? <laughs> batting third for the Detroit Tigers is Woo! future future Hall of Famer Miguel Cabrera. Uh, he has had some very bad back issues that have completely sapped his power, which is really unfortunate to watch. Um, the batted ball skills as far as his contact and plate discipline are still there. Uh, sub-20 strikeout rate, 
he batted 282 last year. Um, still completely mashes lefties. Batted 344, 14, 557. But uh, he's hit over 18 home runs just once in the last five seasons. And he's obviously not the player he was. Um, he still is a good hitter, though. Like I said last year, 282 with a 346 on base. Did hit 12 home runs. Um, what do we think that he can kind of go here? I mean, the DH every day, That's I think that's it's safe to say he'll be there. Crone will be a first. Um what do we think of Miguel Cabrera? Because, you know, if he's going to, if he, if he can stay healthy for a whole season um, and he is a little more healed, maybe we can see over the 12 home runs. I mean, you can't bet for more, much more, maybe 15. That's what you got to bank on. Anything else is kind of gravy, but if he's batting third, he's healthy. He's going to bat 280 or higher, which again, if he's healthy, I think he will bat higher than 280. Uh, you know, you, if, if, if he bats like around 315 home runs, he can kind of sneak up there and like, you know, the, uh, the, uh, 80 90 range as far as runs and RBIs possibly on a you know I don't know what you know if you want to say that's uh that's being um a little more optimistic uh but you know he can still get you though so I mean Michael what do you think of Miguel Cabrera on his way out uh, on his way to the uh on his way to the uh the Hall of Fame is he someone that you can draft in 12 team leagues because we mentioned how shallow first base is is this someone that um that you can feel comfortable, like if you had struck out completely starting at like middle infield or corner oh. infield, corner infield. <laughs> middle infield. Yeah. Let's put him in short, uh, man. I'll tell you what, Miguel, this is tough for me because Miguel Cabrera is such a heart. He's such a part of the Detroit tiger experience. You know, being a Detroit fan, he was everything, a triple crown winner, an MVP. He he was head-to-head. -head. There was a time when him and Mike Trout were head-to-head. -head. Hard to believe, but it really did happen, and it wasn't too long ago. He won a but triple it, crown, man. Freaking triple crown. That's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, was a, it was a huge deal. I, I was so thrilled. I was so proud of that. I know some people like to poo-poo it and say, oh, well, you know, that's not really relevant anymore. Almost did that no. a couple times, incidentally. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But point being your question. 12-team league, draftable, first base. I guess this is just going to be biased, but I, I would say that I think it is. Remember the spring training he had? Now, I you could put stock in spring training, or maybe you don't. Everybody has different opinions on that. But I was really pumped. He was mashing the ball. I remember that he launched one off Garrett Cole in spring training of this season, and I was getting pumped. I'm like, oh, wow, is he uh, feeling really healthy? Could we at least get 20 home runs out of Miguel Cabrera this season? And that is what I bought into. Based on the fantasy experience being up and down, his walk rate went down last year, but don't be fooled by that because he's had that throughout his career. If you look back, even in his prime, you know, 2008, he had 8% and 9%, but then he goes up to 13 and 15. So don't be fooled. They're like, oh, he's losing it. He's falling behind. He's getting a little more burned. On the in he used to be unstoppable on the inner half of the plate. It's not as great as he used to be because he's getting older. He's slowing down just a tad. But I would say, yes, I think that he is draftable in a 12-team league. I'm going for it. Uh, I think I have my line probably drawn there. I, I don't I don't think I can go for it in 12, but I think in 15, that extra set of players that make rosters, I think he's definitely part of it. Um, to Matt's point about the health, I think there we might even be able to quantify that a little bit, right? So Cabrera always pulled the ball. I mean, we're talking, this guy's got thousands upon thousands of plate appearances. You know, when he's always pulled the ball, even in an advanced age, 
usually at least 37% of the time. That dropped to 31 last year. That got swapped, almost a perfect swap with his balls hit to center. And where I'm going with that is something that Matt mentioned before about the park factors. Now, Comerica is, is a known cavern in center field. Now, I haven't mentioned it in a couple podcasts, so it's about time to bring up Max Freeze's home run park factors. The home run park factor to Detroit probably needs to be changed because there are no other outliers anywhere in the league. Just to give you an idea, the other lowest park factors are Oracle Park and Kauffman Stadium, San Francisco, Kansas City. At, they're labeled as 65. Now, this is like WRC+, plus, so 65 means it's 35% worse than the average. And that's a huge falloff for, you know, some parks are well above average. Comerica is a 28. That is pretty much absurd, and there are no other anomalies anywhere like it, anywhere in the major leagues. So I'm getting at is a player who was hurt, was having trouble getting around on the ball, and where Comerica has this, because of center field, it gets the moniker of being a bad park, but it's not necessarily true. If you check out Swish, you'll see... As far as a pole park to left field, Comerica is above average in every category. Singles, doubles, triples, homers, on-base slug, Woba runs, and everything. So if his health is the reason for the lack of pull, and he just makes that little adjustment, because Matt said the skills are still there, the average is there, the hard hit is there, there's a pretty good chance this guy maybe resembles like a David Ortiz, like a late-stage Ortiz, your professional hitter who's not going to be asked much of athletically or in the field. And listen, he could be a great pick. I'm just not sure I'm ready to make that leap in a 12-team league. He said last year he was the only player on the Tigers to actually um, qualify for the batting title. <laughs> That's how much they moved around. They'll have a more stable yeah. lineup, which will help him uh, just kind of know what's working around him. He'll have a decent player set around him. He still has an okay batting average, which, again, uh, another year away from health. Our health, being healthy, I think, will – you know, he'll – his overall batting, uh, you know, his overall batted ball profile will be stronger. Even last year, though, still 72nd percentile in exit velocity, 82nd in hard hit percentage. So even a diminished Miguel Cabrera was still hitting the ball hard. The main problem with him is only 35% barrel. Um, you know, I'm sorry, 35th percentile, 35% barrel would be <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally like Whoa. epic. epic. Uh, but um, there's something here. There is. Uh, I do agree with John that it's it is it is a 15 team thing. Unless you're in some kind of deep format, I think that 12 team is is it's risky. I, I think that uh, if if you are hurting, like he's one of those things I mentioned before, if you struck out and you need depth at first, I would be fine with him being like maybe your bench option. I just don't think you want to be maybe relying on him to start for you, especially in 12 team leagues. You'd barely probably be hurting there, but he's definitely a person. I, he's definitely a wait and see guy where I'd be fine rostering him, seeing how he looks cutting the cord if it's not going to happen, maybe moving him into your corner infield spot if it's going to work out. So I am interested in Miguel Cabrera, um, but uh, yeah, there's a time and place for it. Okay, one other thing. I'm thinking about this. What about Joey Votto versus Cabrera? Is that a similar trajectory? Like they're both deteriorating a bit. Would you rather have one over the other? I'm curious. Ooh, I, I, tend, I, tend, I tend to take Joey Votto over the two. Um, yeah, I, like I believe in Miguel Cabrera's stats. I believe in his ceiling more. Um, but batting second for the Reds, 
is not a joke. We mentioned the Tigers are a real lineup. The Reds are a great lineup, yeah, possibly, yeah. because if you're going to be batting second there, he still is going to hit you 15 to 20 home runs, Votto. He's still going to have an okay batting average, and he could score a ton of runs. And health is usually, recently, is not a big deal for him. So slight edge there, but I guess it's a construction thing too. Um, of, of I where you pick Cabrera to Matt Carpenter. Well, I, I agree with you, Matt. Votto, I think his, his context just separates him. Whereas I like Carpenter kind of every time I, because I find myself hashing out with these two guys and it's the same idea, man, if you just see him in spring training, turn on a fastball and show you he has the torque in his core. Both these guys could see a return closer to what they were. And man, I, I don't know. It's a tough. So is Votto 12 teamer? Are you guys going that high? I can't get same it. same. I think same same context. If you're really hurting, I could see it. But there's more okay. of a 15 team thing for me. Yeah, agree. You were with me because you're hurting. If you if you fell that much in a 12 team league, you're probably hurting pretty bad. <laughs> I don't think you can afford <laughs> to do it. Okay. All right. Uh, CJ Crone is up next, batting uh, batting cleanup for the um, for the Tigers. I already kind of alluded to this earlier. Where do not worry about center field. <laughs> um, he had a 30 home run breakout in 2018 with a raise. He had 25 home runs for the twins last, last year and only 125 games. Uh, then he moves over to um, moves over to Detroit. He had a uh, career high 91 mile an hour average exit velocity last year, 15% barrel rate, 548 expected slugging percentage. Everything looked good for Crone last year. He moves over to Detroit. Like I said, those gaps are um, those gaps are fine for him. Uh, you know, his 84 percentile exit velocity, 82 hard hit rate, 91% X slug, 95% barrel percentage. I mean, that is that is pretty crazy. He hits the ball incredibly hard, and those gaps in Comerica aren't going to hold him back. He could be looking at the very first year of ever getting 600 plate appearances before COVID 19. He will be playing every single day. Um, so for everyone like drafting Pete Alonzo in the third round, you know, hoping for a full season of like 270 and 50 home runs, uh, I think you get CJ Crone practically for free. Again, over a full season, I think he could bat 260, 265 and give you 30 plus home runs. Um, he's one of the best, I think, values in the draft as far as chasing home runs. And the, he's the reason that I don't draft guys like Aloy Jimenez or um, people that are not giving you speed early. Because when we say that power is easy to replicate later in the draft, this is a perfect example of why. Uh, CJ Crone, Jock Peterson, random people like that where they have their flaws, but power is not one of them. And um, yeah, Comerica is not, shouldn't scare you away at all from CJ Crone. I don't think I could love any player more late in the draft than Crone. I've been on him since Thanksgiving. Um, I agree with all the stuff he said, Matt, but also there's maybe even a little bit more there. Um, his expected stats were all significantly better than the actual outcomes. So that might pretend actually a tick up. The XBA was 25 points higher. His X slug was nearly a hundred points higher than his slug. And his X Woba was 45 points higher than his Woba. Those are all really good news as far as, you know, predictive values, let's say. And you know me, I'm a disciplined guy because I feel like those things are the skills that kind of carry those outputs. His K percentage has dropped, you know, from 26 down to 21. While the walk rate has stabilized, the O swing is coming down every year, a tick at a time, as the O contact goes up. And uh, the swinging strike rate is coming down, you know, all slowly. But listen, if you're coming down a point or two ticks at a time, you're moving out of this 
strikeout sinkhole into a pretty forget serviceable, like a really good first baseman. I actually think he may have worked his way out of CI territory, and I think he could and maybe should be a first baseman. Yeah, he's become a guy that is going ahead of Miguel Cabrera for sure, and just behind Joey Votto on ADP. I would would rather totally Cron, buy. I definitely want Cron over Votto. Oh, how is that even close? I think that's a brand name issue. Yeah, I yeah. Close. I don't think that's even close. I'm sorry. Okay, well there you go. That he's 250 yeah. on average, and that's probably an incredible value. I would agree with you guys because I I love value like anyone else. So if I can get Cron in the 200s, I would buy that all day. I don't love him. I don't love him personally being in the Tigers area because he's a guy, again, who's built to just boost the win total from 47 up to the 60s in a full season. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have value. He, everything you guys said is completely valid. The the K rate going down is also even more enticing. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys that are fun for the fans. It's, it's one of those things if you're leaving the game early and he's about to have an at-bat, you stick around. To yeah. watch is it bad? I mean, I, I I'm a Mets fan, but I grew up here around Philadelphia. Whenever I'm, you know, you know, back in like you know the 2000s, uh, you know, Ryan Howard. You don't, you did not leave before Ryan Howard batted. If he was about to come, you stuck around. He's, <laughs> he's one of those people that can really tear the cover off the ball and hit it out of the stadium. Prone's one of those guys. Uh, batting. Oh, I gotta say, I gotta say real quick, man. I totally blew it on a back to back to back with Ryan Howard involved with the Phillies. I was at Shea Stadium in 2007. And I went to buy a Coke or something, and I missed back to back to back, even though I was in the stadium. That was regrettable. That's sad. <laughs> what's that? Yeah. Um, batting fifth for the Tigers is Jonathan Shoop Scope. I don't know how to say his name. Never will. What is it? What is it, Mike? Scope. I say scope. It's I don't scope. say Shoop. All right. Scope. Mouthwash. Jonathan Mouthwash. Um, I'm not very high on him, actually, uh, for the same reasons I said that you, uh, Crone, will be surviving. Comerica, it's not really built for him uh, for scope. Um, he hits the ball, pulls the ball, and hits it to center, kind of dead even. Um, and like we said, you do not want to hit the ball to center field. Um, he had a 265 batting average over the last four years. He's hit at least 20 home runs, but he did that in Baltimore, uh, Minnesota, and Milwaukee, places where you want to hit the ball or that's easy to hit the ball. Um, in 2017, he had 32, he had 32 home runs, drove in 105, but again, he, he moves to Detroit and he's someone who doesn't hit the ball very hard. He actually has an average exit velocity of 87.5 since 2015. And he never walks, um, last year, as far as the stack cast numbers go, he was, you know, 25th percentile in exit velocity and less than 50% hard hit percentage. Um, he's not built for Comerica. I think that he is going to be a, a definite fail. <laughs> And their attempt to put a few more wins on the on the board, I think he's someone that uh, is possibly going to lose his job or definitely be jettisoned to the very bottom of this lineup. I want nothing to do with him. I think that a horrible career-worst season is on his way for Jonathan Show. Let's go. Yep, I agree with Matthew completely on this. I don't know how he ever came up with the 120 wins created plus back. When he did that in 2017, I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. I thought this was a fraud, and I don't buy into him. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy. I just personally think his skill set has been someone I've always avoided. I've never had shares. I've never found myself in a position in any fantasy format, and maybe that says something about me, but I've never found myself with him on my roster because he's just not the kind of guy I like, and for every reason you just said, if he's flying out to center, that's going to be a total buzzkill. He could be ending up hitting 230, 220. Yeah, that's kind of where I have him, Mike, and I'm off him totally. His, his profile just doesn't match the, my roster construction, 
you know, we were talking about home runs being easy to replace. Why would you want a light hitting second baseman in a bad lineup? You know, the expected stats. Not, I guess they're in line, but I don't know. It's hard for me to believe it. You know, the K's are too high. The walks are too low. The ground balls are too high. And the fly balls are too low. Right. And this is a guy that we're expecting to hit for power. It, it's not, it's not there for me. This is a perfect example of why I don't like projections. Again, nothing wrong with them. It's it's not a bug. It's a feature where they use like three-year averages to bring their stuff out. They uh, most like the bat ATC steamer. They have them like 27 home runs batting like 265, but they're using three-year averages. They're not taking things into consideration like where he's going, the kind of hitter he is, the kind of contacts he makes. You got to do your own research. Um, and just because he had a 27 ISO last year with the Twins, does that mean that transfers over to uh, to Detroit with the kind of hitter he is? So again, no. Um, next up in the Detroit lineup is Heimer Candelario, which is the probably one of the more fun names to say in all of Major League Baseball. Batting six, uh, switch hitter. Um, again, he's he's someone I don't totally know what to make of. Uh, he he was with the Tigers all of 2018, uh, then was awful. Went to Triple A T in 2019 to try to fix a few things. Um, his plate discipline, uh, he kind of, he worked on that a little bit, uh, in 2019, 11.1 walk rate, 25.6 strikeout rate, but they did bring him up at the very end of the year. And, uh, he, he was noticeably better from a plate discipline level and, uh, and his power. He had a seven, seven OPS, which is again, only a month. So you can't really do anything with that. But you know, if you're trying to mine for gold, uh, Candelario was supposed to be something at one point do we think he can be anything in the future? Uh, he's, you know, still batting six. He should probably see a, f- a few people on base in front of him. Um, Mike, what do you, what do you make of Candelaria? Boy, this is another disappointment. I was really excited when they got him from the Cubs for the uh, Justin Wilson and Alex Avila trade. And he did a few things with the Cubs that showed promise where I was buying in. I'm like, Oh, cool. I'd like this. This is like an under the radar he wasn't like their top prospect, but he was a top 10 prospect in the Cubs system at that time. And last year, things got tough. The 2018 season was exciting. I mean, 20 home runs. I was digging that. He hit 224. That should have been a red flag. But he was able to salvage a 317 OBP out of a 224 average thanks to his walk rate. He's always had a good walk rate going back to the minors. And somehow that didn't help him last year because he bottomed out and was sent to the minors. And even when he came up, it was a mental, it was a physical thing. We don't know. Ron Gardenhire was baffled. I like him deep in drafts. I like him way late. He's easily worth taking a chance on if you're looking for somebody in a very deep draft, you know, 15 team leagues, best balls. If you're just loading up rosters, that's probably where I'll go at. But I'm sure John could tell you much more because I know he <laughs> likes him a lot. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That was, I was going to say he's one of my most owned players that I like nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, you know what? Note everything you need to know about Candelaria is in a September, October, where I was telling you he was, he came back and did well from a plate discipline level. He batted 230, had a 110 rated runs created plus. <laughs> that I mean, that's that's him. Confusing <laughs> and 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 productive. He had a 377 on base, by the way, for everyone wondering how that's possible. Yeah, his 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 only attribute for me is pretty much a beating heart. And a pair of cleats. <laughs> uh, and wow. I hate to be like that, but it really is the truth. I don't think he's absolutely off the table for 12-teamers. I think he's absolutely off the table for 15-teamers. I have just found he continually falls in draft champion formats when, you know, me being kind of ultra-conservative as far as playing plate appearances go, 
and you're in the 600, 650 range, and you think to yourself, man, my if you lose a CI in the first week and you're in a draft champions without ads, you need a beating heart. And he just kind of fills that. There's not many solid plate appearance opportunities at that point in the draft. He has first and third base eligibility, which is also kind of a plus from a you know fantasy ownership standpoint. But really, that's it. It's really just a hope where, where we're hoping. I hate to use a quad A description because I've always thought that was kind of yeah. and kind of a uh, low-hanging fruit analysis. But it seems that way. The guy goes to AAA and tears it up, 122 WRC+. Plus. 156 WRC plus in 2019, you know, you're tearing up the league, batting 320 with a OPS over a thousand, and it just hasn't happened at the major league level. So it could happen. The potential is there. They're going to give him the opportunity, but I'm not spending any draft capital. Uh, speaking of uh, quadruple A, uh, how yeah. about how about Christian Stewart? This is someone who's infuriating, who I had a lot of shares in earlier. Do yep. not now. I mean, he looked like he had the makings of someone that uh, is going to have a decent batting average, 30-plus home runs, five-tool center fielder type guy, nice on-base percentage, gets to the major leagues. Nope. Uh, couldn't make the adjustments necessary. Um, he's very pull-heavy, which is, you know, we mentioned is it may be okay for Detroit, but his launch angle continued to go up from 17.4 to 19%. Uh, he's hitting a lot of weak pop-ups. Uh, instead of driving the ball out of the ballpark. And it, there just doesn't seem to be anything that he can do um, to kind of translate into the major leagues. I mean, uh, major league breaking balls are just like toying with him. He, he hits 157 against them. And like I said, he, he can't even, even when he's looking fastball, he never squares them up. He pops them up. So, you know, now he's kind of in a role where he's probably going to platoon uh, with like maybe Victor Reyes uh, out there in left field. So um, Christian Stewart, we know what's in there and maybe this will be, this is, he's on the perfect team where they're hopefully going to allow him to maybe work this out over a full year. Uh, Mike, as a Tigers fan, do you think there's any hope left for Christian Stewart who, you know, I was, I was in on, I, I was, I had some high hopes here, but uh uh, there's, I've seen nothing good, and I've seen nothing in the numbers to suggest anything good's coming. Well, every point you made is pretty solid. Uh, I will state that you know he's not past his prime here. He's 26 years old, and he's going to get another shot at it. You know, they have Travis Demerite, who they brought in from Atlanta in the Shane Green deal last year, who they kind of like. He doesn't have the same skill set at all, but he could get in the mix. But as a left-handed bat in Comerica, you know that could be trouble. And especially the way he plays. Everything you described about it makes it suspect. I'm concerned. His minor league numbers showed pop. You know, he said 24 home runs, 28 home runs, 23 home runs in three different minor league seasons. But 10 home runs, 104 bats, and not a lot of sizzle in the stat cast numbers makes me fear that you could be right. Yeah, some of this profile does kind of stink of quadruple A guy. But I do think the age is important and not – you know, everybody grows in a linear fashion. So it it is possible because the potential is there just yet to be unlocked. I think when you look at his weighted, uh, his WRC plus down the line of his stops, he reads like a superstar. I mean, it mm. reads like a first or second round talent. Those numbers are, are not anything to sneeze at. I mean, 227, 193, 138, 170, 131. It's just down the line. This guy was just an absolute beast you know ops is regularly either above a thousand or above 900 the 
on base was always really good, and that did not translate. So I think if we're looking to unlock the key for Stewart, it would have to be there, right? This is a guy who he always walked. And that was a part of my confidence level. Let's say that was the basis for my confidence in Stewart was he was going to bring – we're not just talking double digits, 10. You know, we're talking double digits, 12, 13. There's even a couple 16s in there. You know, they help mitigate a strikeout rate at 23-24, which is on average not so great. But I, I, I thought we were going to get it. The line drive rates are above 25 the last two stops, and that's like where the good ends. You know, there's like these things that make you want to, they make you kind of want to dive in because you can see it's it. It's funny. It's funny. These guys are like, I don't want to say must own because that's obviously a jump. When we're talking draft champions leagues, like these are really deep, really, really deep leagues where at, at a certain point at bats become yep. a pretty big deal. And we're going to yep. get to Jacoby Jones in a second, who's not in a platoon, who I actually like as well. Yeah. But yep. these I guys, I don't want to say are must players. own, but they're guys that at their price are almost must own because yes. they're going to be playing every day. Matt, I agree, agree a thousand percent. You should not have even backed off on the must own because price matters, plate appearances matter. They're in the center of a lineup and you don't even have to start them. I have so many Tigers on my draft champions teams. I'm amazed people are reaching for guys in single A and double A when you're in the 40th and 45th round. And I understand there's an element of desperation. But when there are guys who are more or less assured appearances, I don't know how that doesn't tip the scales in their favor. So as much as I don't love the Tigers for any kind of shallow league, if they kind of come awake, I'm going to be a huge benefactor because I have a ton of ownership based purely on price and opportunity. Absolutely. Um, Woohoo. Batting eighth is Austin Romaine. Um, unless you're in a Romaine Levis? unless you're in a two catcher mm-hmm. league. Um, no. Uh, and even if you're in a two catcher league, he's one of your last options as your second catcher. Does anyone yeah. disagree? Well, I think <laughs> do people, not disagree. I agree with you. I just think people have gotten fooled. Again, having a lot of experience with deep drafts, I, I figured I could just wait for him and he'd be there at the very, very end. And I guess people are just starved for catchers. So if you're a catcher punter like I am, I've ended up with him and then even had him taken from me. So it's tough sledding. I don't really see the appeal. I don't, I don't know. He's, okay. just, he's just a guy. Jack. Yeah, right. Just yeah. Dude. yeah, exactly. Uh, batting ninth is Jacoby Jones, who I just alluded to a second ago. Actually, I, I love him in deep formats. He could, He wasn't healthy all in 2019, but he only played in 88 games, had 11 home runs, seven stolen bases. Uh, improved his walk rate from 5.1 to 8.1. Lowered his strikeout rate below 30, which is still not great, but it was an improvement. Um, so he's not going to like maybe help you um, in home run, you know, in batting average on base percentage, anything like that, but you know, power and speed that is going to play every single day, batting ninth, the double leadoff spot should allow him to steal some bags. Um, Yes. I I like him quite a bit. Uh, You know, if you're, if you can avoid the hit uh, and you get an injury that goes down, you have an everyday outfielder that's going to be a little power and a little speed. Jacoby Jones is a very undervalued in deep formats. I love Jacoby Jones. He is a source of contention here locally because people expected more out of him. And I'm not sure exactly why. I mean, he wasn't like a super high pick. He was not ever one of the elite prospects coming up in the system, but he's been given an opportunity and he hasn't capitalized. But that was also at the tail end when the Tigers were falling apart. And yeah, that's not fair to him. So he needs to have that respect given to him in a fresh start, but with the same squad under a different context. And 
I agree with you, Matt. I like that he improved his walk rate, dropped his K rate a tad in the 88 games. There was a limited sample, but it's still a healthy sample of 333 plate appearances. And if he gets to play 150 games, he could roam center field freely. I love seeing oof, I, a minimum. I really think a minimum of 15 home runs, and he could steal a lot more. 20 stolen base. I think a 15-20 season solid. And if he could maybe try to get that average up a little bit to 250, that would help. But maybe that's wishful thinking. If the walk rate continues to grow, there's excitement here. I like Jacoby Jones as a, a really a, an improved player candidate. Not a not across the league as a possible winner of that award, but certainly someone who falls under that category. Yeah, I think you guys both make good points. You can't have them all, but I think this late in drafts, maybe you can have them all. People are just holding you off the Tigers. Uh, I hadn't <laughs> maybe just take all the Tigers, see what shakes well, out. Hey, yeah. listen, if we're talking one more picks, outfielder we haven't talked about yet that we need to after you're done, John. Yeah, if we're talking pick 600 or so, give me all the Tigers, I guess. I've never said that before. It felt kind of good. <laughs> you know, give me, give me, and then I'm whispering, give me all the Tigers after pick 650, you know? <laughs> But good, man. I think you make a great point. I think he's. I think he's been widely disregarded, and I think there is a speed source there, and maybe a couple home runs. The average is a sinkhole. I mean, a two thirty-five career high is a little scary, yeah. but you're not paying for it. So if it's a guy you think you might burn and churn, and I, no one had mentioned there probably is some room for him to move up if it, you know, if the circumstance is allowed. It's certainly not blocked. Um, someone who's not starting right now that is someone that actually needs to be on everyone's radar, especially in deeper formats, is Victor Reyes, who Cameron Mabin's signing was like a stake through the heart of anyone who owned him in Dynasty. Right. But he didn't play in the first half for Detroit. Like I said, Miguel Cabrera is the only one who actually qualified for the batting title. They were moving pieces. There were injuries. There was a lot of stuff. But in the second half, uh, he had 313 with eight stolen bases. That was actually He actually had the 10th best batting average in baseball and the 14th most stolen bases. Um, so oh. I, I, ta- I tried talking up Nico Goodrum earlier as someone, if he plays every day, could give you value for, for power and steals. I mean, how about Victor Reyes? If you know Cameron Mabin could get hurt, or if he just – he's going to be – he'll probably be strong slide platoon versus righties, which, by the way, there's a lot of right-handers out there. Uh, he had a 283 expected um, batting average. So I don't know. Victor Reyes is someone, uh, again, in – uh, he's very fast, top 10% in sprint speed. If given a given a job every single day, uh, this maybe this is why Cameron maybe infuriates uh, Mike, <laughs> where you yeah. have a guy like Victor Reyes who in a young team should probably be given a chance to play every single day. But uh, I think that in a hot hand situation, Detroit's not going anywhere, but they probably want to see what they have with Victor Reyes. If there's any hint during the whenever the fake spring training or the new spring training starts, if there's a hint that Victor Reyes has a spot, I would I would be all over trying to acquire him. Uh, and you know, what'd you say? What'd you say, John? I'll give me all the tigers after six fifty. Yeah, uh, Victor Reyes is, is another one of them. Yeah, it fits the bill. <laughs> yeah, he does fit the bill. I that's you exactly nailed why I'm upset about it. I would like to see him get the run. He's got a good size to him. He's six five and six five two fifteen, real solid dude, and he can move. And he's not going to hit for a lot of power. I'm not expecting that. But in Comerica, he can spray the ball and put it in play in those gaps. And he can get on base enough where he could steal. I like his skill set. That's why Cameron Mabin deserves to be trade bait, which he probably is in the long run. But Victor Reyes was someone I made a big jump. in the year before, he hadn't really done anything. You know, He hit 222. But now he shows some promise, and he's coming into his own. He's got so much to show still. I just want to see him get daily at-bats. But when you mix it in with Demerite and Stewart and Reyes and Mabin and Jones, it's a crowded outfield, even though it's not like 
a desirable crowded outfield like the sure. Reds or the Rays or something like that. Um, that pretty much does it for all the for all the hitters. So, if for anyone wants to, if you does anyone want to comment on anyone further in the Detroit uh, lineup? Anyone want to talk up Jordy Mercer? No. <laughs> Debra Wright deserves a little bit of run because he could be a really great steel source if he gets to play. That's the only thing I'm saying. Anything from you, John? No, I mean, listen, it's your if your starting outfielders are going in past 650, then they're really not. Doing it. <laughs> it's true. It's a truth, you know. So bad. These teams are so bad. All right. Well, let's it go hurts. to the starting rotation where there's someone very interesting. Someone very interesting named Matthew Boyd. Um, yeah. A lot of people are really in on him. And if you look into the numbers, you, you you might scare yourself off. You look at his second half. You know, I talk about guys. I don't really want to get too many people who give up home runs. His, his home runs per nine was actually about three, which is not good. But there's plenty to see as far as him making little changes here and there. And people always make the pitch mix changes here and there. Um, you know, he just needs to uh, he needs to elevate his fastball. He needs to keep his slider down out of the zone so people can't launch either of them. Uh, his changeup was not the same as it used to be. I know that, you know, he's still young. If he can get kind of get that there, a breakout is possible, you know, maybe like a 30% strikeout rate, which is fantastic where you're getting him. So where are you guys on Tyler or uh, Matthew Boyd? Is, uh, is this someone that you guys are on? Because I found myself enjoying the analysis, but not having actually had any shares yet because I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I truly believe it's coming or not. It is coming. I think this is the time. <laughs> this is the this is the big year. This is the chance. Matthew Boyd has worked hard. He's been dedicated. There's a real world outside of the fantasy world that actually exists where these people actually play their games and they think about their game, their pitches, their grips. The work they do in the offseason does matter. And he has put a lot of effort into it. He's a dedicated guy he's i've listened to interviews with him and i really like his um demeanor he seems very focused and committed and i just don't think that a guy with all these uh, the ability that he has is going to fail and i know that's not like some data i can give you that says hey he won't fail i just like his style i like i love all of his pitches the, too. And the problem is, really is it is it is it him getting better and and in, in developing or is it a command issue that he, can he improve? Because like I said, it seemed to be like when he was elevating his fastball and keeping his slider low out of the zone, getting the chase and misses, which he can do. We've seen it 30% strikeout, right? Like that's what he can do. It works great. But when he misses, it gets clobbered, but he seemed to miss quite a bit. Do we think yeah. as a Tigers fan, does it look like, because I didn't watch a ton of his games in person. Did, did it look like he ever got a kind of inch towards have, being able to get better command? Cause that seems to be his Achilles heel. That is the Achilles heel. You're right. And I had, oh, I have a good response to that. I will say that his pitch mix was not what it should have been. He didn't have enough confidence in the curve and change. He got a little too dimensional in his pitching last year. And I think the command may be the thing that breaks him. So that actually freaks me out a little bit. I, I don't have a good response to the command. And I love his pitch mix and I love his dedication to the craft. And if he gets... The work done on the grips, he says he loves his changeup a lot more. He feels a lot more confident in it. If that could be a breakthrough for him this year, I really think that changes the game. Even if, because I don't think his command was that bad. Watching him pitch, I just think he got some bad breaks and he left some balls out that he should have been more confident and threw the pitch better. And that just takes another year of 
off-season work. So that's how I feel about it. And I, I am big on Boyd. I'm with some of the guys like a pitcher's list who are really pushing him hard. Yeah, I, I like Boyd a lot, and I found uh, if I'm shopping for pitchers when his number is being called, it's between him and David Price. And to be honest, I may like Boyd's set a little better, but, man, I have such a problem getting past the Tigers' context. You know, you get the feeling with Boyd a lot of times, and, you know, as a handicapper also, if he gives up two runs, you almost feel like the win is gone. You know, that horse has left the barn. The Tigers are not going to catch up for him. The bullpen's not very good to hold it down. And that usually ends up breaking a lot of the ties for me. I thought it was really interesting you brought up the, picks, the pitch mix, Mike, because it's I, – I don't – I don't really understand it the way I had mentioned earlier with putting your best foot forward. He didn't do that. You know, his slider is pretty devastating. And, you know, you saw decreased usage. And his four-seamer was not, you know, really wasn't very good. Uh, they had a 269, 325, 533 triple slash, 264 ISO, 353 WOBA. He increased the usage of that. Like it totally spiked towards the end of the year. And he traded that for the slider, which is like the, basically the, the converse of that. You know, 149 ISO, 246 Woba. Mm. I don't like that. I, I don't understand why he's still using the curveball. And I know a lot of people are into pitchers that perform really well. Sometimes I like to find pitchers that are just awful. Um, his curveball, the stats are so bad, they're almost fun. There was a 777 Wobicon, and it wasn't like that much of an anomaly because it was a 689 expected Wobicon that was good for a 500 batting average and a 1.143 slug, 643 ISO, and a 664 Woba. I mean, that pitch has to go. That pitch just has to go. And it was at a point where he's using it 10% of the time for a couple months. That's just not going to translate into success for me. So I'm hoping that the Tigers are seeing what I'm seeing, and he's definitely got the goods. And I think maybe if we just shuffled around the way we were putting the ingredients in the sauce, maybe it comes out tasting not so burnt at the end. You know, you so don't think he can change that pitch? I mean, that curveball could get better. It's too. He needs to be more bending. It just is not a very. Uh, it's not. It's, it's too similar to the slider in the end. It doesn't work. Yeah. Well, again, we, well, I mean, I I love. I I love this. I love the slider. You know, the slider's got almost a thirty-five no, yeah. CSW. The slider yeah. is pretty do, is pretty dominating. I'm just you know, saying he doesn't. I, yeah, there's no variance in his breaking balls there. And that was the problem. But yeah, if he was able to work on it. those grips in the offseason, that that could be the change. That will really be the beyond command, Matt. What John just defined is right there. Is the curveball a still going to be usable and a better pitch this season? If not. It needs to be scrapped, and it will also lead to a lack of the growth that I'm expecting. I actually talked to some of the guys over at Pitcher List about this. I don't even think he has a curveball. I don't think he has one. I think that he has a grip where he slows down his slider. There's not actually a much of a difference in terms of spin and location. Um, he's just it, It's basically just a worse slider. So you're, <laughs> he's throwing a slider up there that doesn't have as much spin. It's just a shitty slider. So right. I think he has a fastball, a slider, and a shitty slider. So, yes, he should not be throwing it. He should just Altering stop it. an elite pitch. Imagine altering an elite pitch so that it becomes your worst. Yes. I mean, I don't Get know. Get rid of it. Yeah. I don't no, know. You're right. Yeah. Or what it is, but that's, I mean, it's pretty much unacceptable, you know, if I was with that organization. And so I think they have a bunch of really delicious ingredients and they're just not 
putting them in the right order or they're not they're not cutting them the same size. There's a, probably other chef, you know, things. I know Matt has a little bit of culinary background. I was trying to brush. I'm, I'm enjoying whatever you're trying to put together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but that stuff really does matter, right? If you're making a stir fry, we can have the same stuff. But if, if you put your vegetables in the wrong order, because they don't all cook at the same, you know, time. So it could just be something as simple as they say, listen, you know, Matt, we have to lower that fastball use. We want to make it more consistent. We have to keep the slider use up. We want to up the change up, which has been very good. But yes, that's like the point. They can't seem to figure out which of those secondary pitches they want to focus on. And if you have one that performs very well and one that performs exceptionally poorly, it seems like the answer to this formula is very easy. It's just a matter of whether or not they execute it. Yeah, yeah that's the it, point. It, 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 yeah, does that's seem, it does seem like it does seem like an obvious solution. So hopefully, it's one that they will execute. Right, that's what um, I mean. But all that is not going to change the context as far as wins. So again, you're asking, you're asking, you're uh, asking. And then even in a best case scenario, he's going to go out and lose one zero. Uh, <laughs> well, that's another debate. Okay. Let's move on. You're right. I could talk about Boyd for hours. <laughs> no, I, 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 it should seem like we like we're, we're shitting on Boyd. No, I, we actually love Boyd. No, uh, no I, it, yeah. it's just a matter of, you know what it is? It's one of those other guys where there's always one guy in a draft that likes him a lot. And has prevented yes. me from getting him. If yeah, he was going, thing. <laughs> if this is why ADP is a joke, everyone, because it's it's worthless. If yeah. he was going at ADP, I'd probably take him there. He never does. <laughs> and the where where his I, his min pick, that's wherever draft I'm in. His max pick is whatever draft you're in. Because I <laughs> yeah. haven't seen it. I Especially seen in it. industry leagues, yeah, he always yeah. goes way too high. Well, yeah, you could thank the pitcher list guys for that. You know, <laughs> yeah. they move the price on him. They move the price on him. Uh, so the Tigers, this is where the pain starts. Oh. Uh, according to roster resource, they've decided to give Jordan Zimmerman to you. I'm leaving. Uh, we're not going to talk about him much. Uh, six, nine, one ERA one, five, two whip. His strikeout rate was down to 16%. He sucks. He's horrible. And he's really only there like a few of these guys to keep the seats warm for Casey Mize, Matt Manning, right. Tariq Scoble, who due to the, uh, service time question marks. They probably won't even see the field this year, unfortunately. So it's something Detroit yep. fans just might need to sit through. Um, then they have uh, even Nova, Daniel Norris, Spencer Turnbull. Uh, I know Spencer is working on a new pitch in spring training. Some people were kind of excited about the possibility of him turning in, um, turning into something a little more useful. He obviously, you know, his, his background is, uh, is a little iffy, but um, Mike, why don't you tell everyone about, Spencer Turnbull, and why should we be excited about him or not? I love Spencer Turnbull. The rest of this rotation, like you said, is a waste of time. I have no interest in it. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman is only there because of that stupid contract. God, that's an albatross from hell. But, hey, that's uh, how it goes. People got to pay for the prices that other people decide to do. But when it comes to Spencer Turnbull, I love his game. I know that he flamed out in the second half. Things just didn't go as well as we uh, had hoped as Tiger fans in the second half. The first half was really tantalizing. But he has uh, a couple of pitches that are really – one pitch in particular that's really good. And if he can stick to a consistency and just grow at the rate he's growing at, I think he becomes someone that is a legit player on this team. This Turnbull is someone I drafted in every league. I got him everywhere because the value I thought was reasonable. And I also thought there was a surge and I might get burned on this, but I, I can't think of a league. I don't have Turnbull in. And the reason is, is because he's going to continue to grow and he's got one of the best out pitches in baseball, which is odd, 
but it's true. Believe it. it he's in top 10 with whiff rates of individual pitches. He's ranked last year in the top 10. So I'm excited about Turnbull, and I think he can build off of that skill set. Yeah, I think people like you ruin the value for people like me. Yep, sorry. <laughs> and I mean, I guess that's that's just kind of how it goes. Again, you know, we're asking for a lot from a guy that even if he put it together, the context is not really there. Um, I was kind of looking. I was kind of looking for who he's who he's surrounded by. So I guess it really does become a matter of that. But I don't know, especially if I like somebody like Turnbull. I don't want to have too many Tigers pitchers. So I'd probably make that <laughs> a caveat. Like if you end up with Void, just shut all the other Tigers out. And if you don't end up with Boyd, you know, Turnbull could definitely return some value. He's going to get the ball every five days. He's pretty much a short a rotation spot for the entirety of the season. So again, if, you know, innings pitch and plate appearances are your thing and they are important, there's, that's what he has going for him. He but said he was working on he was working on a few extra things in spring training. Uh, he had his fastball touching ninety seven, getting a lot of swings and misses. So people were you know people were very interested in, in taking his next step up. This is not a twelve team thing at all. This is a fifteen team no. thing. Yeah. Um. But I mean, we can all agree that uh, not that you know this isn't a big revelation. It's it's Matthew Boyd in all leagues, Spencer Turnbull in fifteen team leagues, and then ignore the rest of these guys completely. Correct. I mean, I don't know how yes. you feel about Daniel Norris. Daniel Norris is kind of a bummer because he was big key part of that trade with the Blue Jays in 2015 uh, when they sent David Price there. And that, you know, he lived in a van down by the river and everybody loved that. They're like, oh, cool, man. This guy is so like down to earth and he's got a beard. But none of that translates to fantasy respect and uh, fantasy output. So unfortunately, I'm still concerned, but yet he's not like out to pasture again. Another guy who could offer something. So I am, I'll be watching him. I'm curious because he does have a, he has a nice arsenal. It just doesn't seem to come all together. And the command never seems to be the there. The problem is he has to go the way of Bartolo Colon early in his career because his fastball was a 94. Now it's in 90. And you yeah. can't survive there. He has, you know, he, he throws, he throws a slider, change up curveball, which is, the, which they're okay. They really are. He has a 15% swing strike rate, 40% uh, uh, O swing, 40% uh, uh, plus O swing with his slider, 45% um, O swing with his changeup. Uh, he, he has some good secondary stuff, but his fastball is just so terrible. Uh, 408 Woba against 17 home runs on 1,000 thrown. Uh, he, he's just, his fastball just continues to get worse. So if anyone's interested in him, like a dynasty format or anything, it'd have to be pretty deep. Um, or an AL only league. Yeah, he's going to be going out there. He definitely seems like someone who's fighting for his life. He's going to get probably replaced next year uh, because you know they're like we said, there's three spots that are open, and they're probably going to they're probably going to be Turnbull and Boyd are probably going to stick around where Zimmerman, Nova, and Norris are on their way out. So he yep. is a lefty, you know, which is always nice. But yeah, unless he can learn how to pinpoint, you know, almost go the way of Shane Bieber. Uh, he doesn't have his stuff, but you got to utilize all your secondary stuff and place your fastball just to work off your secondary stuff. And I don't see it happening. Um, I could, it wouldn't surprise me if he did turn it around. Good luck to him. But I think best case scenario for him is probably a four ERA, one three whip. Uh, you know, just one of those back end guys that were, you know, he's, he's barely going to help you even quality star leagues. Yeah. You know, the one thing I want to say about Turnbull, John was mentioning where he goes. That's why I take him in every draft because he's on average 400 around guys like Jacob Junis and Taiwan Walker and Zach. Oh, there you go. You him. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I would rather have him more than any of those guys. I mean, Tanner Rourke, that, those kind of players. 
All right. So uh, that does it for the rotation. Sorry if we bummed everyone out listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's oh, go better than the game. Orioles, man. No, better than the Orioles. I yes. do have shares of Nova that I've gotten with the very last pick in draft champions, which is what? Pick like 750. So, again, I know he's not great, but we are talking about market inefficiencies. Listen, he threw 187 innings last year. Sure so, to be the 750th player off the board, there's something there. There might be innings to be had. And you never know. He might, he might, he's a perfect candidate to get traded to the Red Sox, let's say. You know? <laughs> I mean, to go to a competitor that needs an SP5 or something like that, I feel like. You know, the Red Sox have a very weak rotation, and he's an innings eater. And I think, you know, he would be a fit there. So there's a possibility he gets moved, maybe. That assumes the Red Sox are contenders, yeah. But I see your yeah, point. I he's definitely fine to be traded. I assume that they're going to contend, really not realizing the Red Sox have just broke down. You know, they yeah. broke down. This is uh, this is, this is is Ivanova's uh, field independent pitching for the last last six years. Uh, 691, 487, 411, 446, 451, 498. Um, he sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He doesn't strike anyone wow. out. He gives up a ton of home runs. No, yep. thank you. There'll yep. be one start in the season where you stream him. One start. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, bullpen real quick. I mean, even even we talked to, we've had the narrative we talked about in other shows where we think that other people will be used. Uh, so in saves and hold leagues, uh, what are your options here? You have Joe Jimenez, who's the closer. Uh, he has his flaws. He has his warts, but he's going to be the closer probably every day is there anyone else in this bullpen that you guys are interested in uh, buck farmer for anybody yeah, no, no, no 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 well, okay go ahead john go ahead well, yeah. it's again this is all like every tiger comment gets prefaced with like i get that they're terrible and, and okay, <laughs> if you're you know i do like to address different formats and if you're playing draft champions where there are no ads then you have to take a different approach to trying to get saves and if you think particularly guy like Jimenez, who I like because if he has, I believe he has certainty in the role, but there's also always a chance good relievers on bad teams get moved, in which case someone will have to get the saves. And if you were playing that theoretical game, and especially if you had already drafted Jimenez in draft champions, then I think you get Farmer. But other than that, you know what I mean? Other than that, it's not like a target or anything. But I think there's certainly a pathway where you have to consider him if you've gone Jimenez, because if Jimenez does get moved, you're going to be left, you know, holding the bag. The only thing is, yeah. like, if you don't like Farmer Mike, I mean, far, not Farmer Mike, you're Farmer Mike now. That's how you're. <laughs> hey, hey, if, you if you don't like Buck Farmer, um, as like, you know, I don't want to say handcuff, but if you're in a deep league and, you know, you're looking for holds or, you know, you're thinking there might be some extra saves if there's going to be extended circumstances. I mean, it's him or Cisnero who strikes out a ton of guys, but he walks a ton of guys too. I think Farmer is kind of your only option on that major it's league cool. roster. You know, I thought it might have uh, been McKay just for the strikeout numbers. I was into Garcia. I, I know I, I know he's still young and 25, and his brief stint last year was really just god-awful. There's no way to describe a 12-15 ERA, but it was only six innings. He got blown up. But he strikes out guys in the minors, and he had some good runs, so I wouldn't dismiss him. But Buck I, Farmer I, I, tend, has, I tend to dismiss people that have a track record of walking the town. Yeah, that's a problem, too. Hey, I'm not going to argue that either. This is we're getting into the weeds here, man. Yeah, we're yeah. really getting into the weeds. <laughs> it's you know, the Tigers. We started in we started in the weeds. We're in the deeper <laughs> weeds. Yeah. Just, yeah. But Buck Farmer burned us so many times. I, I just feel like he might be damaged goods. Only the reason I say that, not because of who he is as a person, probably a nice guy, but as 
a guy who has just had every opportunity. They brought him up for starting. They brought him up for relieving now, and it's just never gone well. I, unless he turns the surprising corner, I just wouldn't expect it. I really wouldn't. All right. Yeah, my um, money's on McKay. If we had to go past Farmer and I needed a third, I think it might be David McKay with the big strikeout numbers. But I mean, now, like you said, we're past the weeds. This I is passed a, the yeah. sand trap. And now I need, you know, scuba <laughs> equipment for the water hazard. Is this the worst bullpen in baseball, hands down? Um, man, you know, Probably. the Red Sox might have something to say about that. It's close. I'll say that. The Red Sox do have interesting strikeout guys as well. Yeah. Um, all right, one one last guy we haven't talked about. Uh, I don't know whether he'll be a starter or he'll they'll put him in the bullpen, especially in a shortened season, maybe as a long reliever, or, you know, an opener, whatever. Michael Fulmer will be back at some point. Any interest from anyone? Uh, keeping tabs on him, uh, keeping a you know maybe taking a flyer on him in a deep format. Uh, anyone have anything to say about Michael Fulmer? I do. I think he definitely should be drafted. He's gotten more time to get healthy here. His surgery date was in March of nineteen. We're now into May of 2020, so he's he's definitely on track. He could totally participate in this season. I mean, it's going to be limited, but they want to trade him. They already blew it. They didn't trade him before. I heard those rumors after the fact. Oh, man, Javi Baez, Alex Bregman back in the day. That was a real thing. That, that's not ridiculous, and that was all missed out on. They have to get him back in the lineup so they can use him as trade bait because this guy is solid. He's only 27 years old, and he was a rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do a little bit more in terms of clarity as far as his player news goes because in the same in his most recent blurb in the same line, he's 100% pain-free and then also nowhere close to throwing to hitters. Um, so something's hmm. got to give. Um I mean, he listen, he benefits from how bad the Tigers are. If he exactly. had shown, if he shows a pulse, you know, he's the number 3 starter tomorrow. And I remember liking him. You know, he's got he had good control. I liked Fulmer a lot. And I mean, I don't think he has a place on too many rotations, but in Detroit he would. So if I we get a little bit more news about him maybe throwing to live hitters, I think he's he's totally viable and, and has to be circled. I don't own anything yet. I was afraid of the injury. All right, everybody. Uh, you wondered how can we possibly do an entire episode about the Detroit Tigers? Oh, well, we can do an entire episode about any team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we we if this is actually one of the more interesting ones, I I really was looking forward to this show. I told I told you guys that there's a lot of value here, and we don't you don't need us to sit here and tell you how how good like you know uh, Cody Bellinger is going to be or, or people at the top of your draft. That you win your league, especially deep ones, with these kinds of players. Like we said, if um, if uh, Nico Goodrum ends up finding at bats or Miguel Cabrera ends up like you know. Uh, having a little bit of health. There's there's people that are interesting here. So, you know, these are the kinds of players that you pick up on and you make these, you know, where everyone else is asleep at the wheel, just picking names that they've heard of late in draft. You know, you you, you should be hard at work <laughs> trying to make uh make picks with purpose. And uh, the Detroit Tigers can still help you. Uh, even though they can't help themselves, they can still help you. And uh, that's <laughs> what we're here to do is to, to help you pick them out. So uh, before we sign off, uh, starting with you, Mr. Govier, tell everyone uh, what you expect of your Tigers in this 100-game season or less, and Ooh, uh, where yeah. they can find you. I think what they've basically done is tried to bump up the win total by 10 to 15 wins, and, you know, that's fine. they got to survive. It's a product. There's no excitement. There's no passion. It's never been more demoralizing. Even in 2003 when they had that miserable, barely 
avoided breaking the all-time uh, loss record that year. That was a fun year. That ended up leading to a World Series team in 2006 with Bonderman and Mike Maroth and all those guys. So there is not the same excitement here for this current rebuild. But if you want to hear more about that, you won't have to. If you follow me on Twitter, MJ Govier, I'm uh, never going to talk about the Tigers because there's not much to say, but there is value in the long run. So hit me up there. Also, Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. And uh, Mr. John, MLB Moving Averages, tell everyone where they can chase you down and uh, your final thoughts on the Detroit Tigers. I am living on Twitter at MLB Moving Averages, waiting for people to talk about baseball, which I miss so very dearly. Um, listen, the Tigers kind of stink, but I think it. what we did, the exercise here is really important because it's easy to just poo-poo them and brush them aside and ignore them, and that is a losing mentality. These guys are professional ball players. They're going to have lineup spots. They're going to get plate appearances, which will translate into stats. So let other people, especially in very deep formats, just write them off completely and take guys that have no chance at seeing the majors while you get players like Nico Goodrum and Jacoby Jones who are going to at least contribute. You know, and uh, Ivan Nova with the 750th pick. <laughs> Future right. ball for Red Sox. <laughs> All right, you can follow me on Twitter, everyone, at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Also, be sure to follow the podcast at Turn 2 Podcast. We always love to hear feedback, good or bad. Uh, make sure to rate and review the show, uh, Apple Podcasts as well. So hopefully you enjoy the breakdown of the Detroit Tigers. We'll be back next week with, I don't know, I, I apparently have lost the alphabet. Uh, who's up? Who's up next? <laughs> D, D, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Houston is a jump or is there a... All right. So thank you for listening to the Term 2 podcast. We'll be back next week. See everybody. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two Turn two What it do? Win leads Catch out, catch out.